Our previous episode was episode number 28, and we talked about installing new slide-out awnings for uh, Randy in Arkansas. He had a question about that, and I just want to highlight, you know, if you have questions about things, you can email me, you can call me, call me during the week, during our regular, regular business hours. You can contact me through the contact us page on RadioArizonaRV.com. You know, all the questions that I get asked, there's many that are very interesting. There are some that sometimes you think, well, that's pretty straightforward, but then you start really delving into it. And it's not just like the slide out awnings. It's not just a matter of buying a slide out awning. It's understanding what Mike makes and models there are, you know, the installation process, the warranty, you know, the things they talked about in the previous episode. So my point is, if you have a question, ask it, you know, that old saying is kind of cliche, but no question is a stupid question. And, and so many times that is very true. And when it's over the phone or through an email, you know, there's, there's no face there. So don't, don't be shy about asking a question. And I will always certainly try to help with the best I can. You know, I'm not an expert in everything, but I certainly have been around this industry for a long time and have some experience. So now again, this is Eric Stark, the host of Radio Arizona RV. You can find us on the web at RadioArizonaRV.com. You can call me 800-789-5588 if you have any questions. Again, that's regular business hours and you can get those on our website. They do change in the summer versus winter because we're not as busy in the summer. So anyway, um, we're going to go back to Randy from Arkansas. He has a few more questions in his email that he sent me. Um, it was a follow-up email and, and we've just been going back and forth a little bit in email and I haven't asked him any real detailed questions because I'd rather keep this in a general sense. Um, a little more broad than an awning, you know, being very specific about one awning and his next question has to do with his 50 amp service and two air conditioners and running it on a generator. So obviously he's going to need a portable generator. He doesn't have one built in, but I didn't question him the make model, of the air conditioners, how many amps they draw or how many Watts, anything like that. So we're going to just kind of go in a broad sense here to keep it a little more, um, a little more friendly towards everybody. That way, it's not one air conditioner specific, one brand of generator specific. And speaking of brands, Randy did ask what brand to go with. And I would say in the RV application, you'd want to go with an inverter type generator because they're quieter. You can stand right next to them and have a conversation. And I prefer Yamaha's, but a Yamaha or a Honda would be the way to go. And they do cost more than some of the other brands and sometimes substantially more, but they are the way to go. You can get parts for them. They're quality products. Um, I know they're not built in the USA, but what is anymore, but they do withstand the test or they have had actually have stood the test of time. And I'm not saying some of the cheaper brands or the off brands are horrible. Like I just recently bought a Col or a Generac for my house. It's a backup to my Yamaha. <laughs> inverter type generator because where I live, the power goes out quite a bit during the summertime and having a couple generators to kind of keep things going makes it a lot easier rather than having extension cords generator can make it easier. And the one I bought wasn't an inverter type. I bought it from one of our suppliers. So it's going to be noisy and loud and that's fine. It serves its purpose. But for an RV, you really want to go with the inverter type. They're quiet. Your neighbors aren't going to be mad if you're in an area where that makes a difference you know, they're having a loud generator versus a quiet one. 
So back to his question, which was more specific about which, you know, what size generator does he need to run his RV with two air conditioners on it? Well, more than likely the straightforward answer would be a 6,000 or 6,500 somewhere in there, depending on, um, what his air conditioners draw, what kind of wattage they're using and what they need for running versus startup. And sometimes this is also talked about in amps as well. How many amps they use on startup versus running. Cause when an air conditioner starts that when it, that's when it draws the most amps. And so the generator has to be able to deal with those amps, you know, and have extra, not just enough. It needs to have extra, something will fail eventually. And so for everybody, you have to get out the owner's manual, do a little research and see what your, your air conditioner actually pulls amps and Watts. And then you're going to buy a generator accordingly. And also, you know, you want to buy bigger. If you have two airs, you definitely want to buy bigger because you're going to have to run two airs, but you want to have more than what the air conditioners need because you're still going to have the rest of your RV that you're going to want to have powered up. And you want to be able to run other appliances, other things while the air conditioner is running. And let's face it. If you're in an area where your air conditioner is running in an RV, it's a hot area and the fan will be on all the time and the compressor will be on a lot of the time. So you want to be able to run a microwave at the same time, computer lights, etc. So it's important to buy bigger and price might be an issue. But if you have to wait a little longer, save up a little bit more, make sure you buy enough generator. You know, with a single air conditioner, usually a 3000 watt generator, just be just fine. Two air conditioners. You're just doubling it to cover for that second air 6,000, 6,500. So it's pretty straightforward on that. You know, just buy, you know, see what you have in your RV, you know, check with your RV store. You know, wherever you're going to buy your generator, check the prices. But like I said, I prefer Yamaha's, but Yamaha and Honda are both very good, very good quality. And I think everybody knows both names and they've been around for a long time. And now your friends and family might have bought other brands. You know, I, there's Generac, there's Kohler, there's Champion, there's a zillion brands of generators. And if they've had success with it, that's great. You know, Kippur was a big RV generator, which still is, but it became hard getting parts and then it got rectified. So you have to look at that too. Don't just buy it for today, buy it for down the road when it needs a tune up, when a carburetor fails, you know, so you can keep it running. Cause you have a big investment. If you go cheap, you'll probably just end up throwing it away because you can't get parts. So that's a little bit more than Randy's question, but you know, you have to expect you have to see what your, your air conditioner needs, what your RV actually is using for uh, wattage amps. And, you know, I wouldn't go around to every appliance. You have to look at, you're not going to have everything running at one time. Just, you know, your microwave is probably your second biggest draw on power besides the air conditioner. So if your air conditioner and your microwave can run at the same time, then you've probably uh, have bought the right generator or are going to buy the right generator based on those two appliances only. And always buy a little bit bigger and you'll always be covered. So now I also want to address his other question, which is about the tires that came on his, uh, trailer is a brand new fifth wheel. And they came with, um, castle rock tires and his particular ones were load range D. 
And his question was about the tires. He's heard a lot of bad things, read a lot of negative reviews on the tires. And these tires appear to be brought in kind of by a, an independent company, someone that is not very well known. And there are a lot of bad reviews. I don't know that they are truly bad tires though. Um, sometimes the, the good reviews don't ever get reported. But generally, when there's a lot of complaints, it could be an indicator that that particular tire has problems. But, and he was asking about going to Goodyear's, and I don't think you can go wrong with going to Goodyear. They have a nationwide warranty, and that's probably one of the most important things is having a warranty because tires do fail. And if they fail under warranty, then you're covered. And if you buy an off-brand tire, well, let me back up. Even if the tire isn't under warranty, and let's say you have a good year, you're more than likely to be able to get that good year anywhere in the country, where if you buy a Castle Rock, you're going to just get another tire that's going to fit on the rim more than likely. You're not going to be able to match the tire. It's probably not a very popular tire out in the you know, retail tire world. I doubt Tire Rack has them or Discount or Big O or any of those. So it might be a little more difficult to match up. But now let's go back to the warranty. If you're concerned about the warranty, maybe you bought a road hazard warranty or because it's good, you have a nationwide warranty. That's important. So you can get the warranty taken care of anywhere. And, you know, a lot of people or a lot of companies, you know, claim to have a warranty or a nationwide warranty. And when it boils right down to it, it might be nationwide, but it's not always friendly. It's not always, um, expedient. And quite often you pay get things shipped if they need to be shipped or if you need it right away. So inspect the warranty, make sure it will work for you. And buying quality trailer tires is probably one of the most important things you can do if you use your RV a lot. You know, this is kind of a RV trailer tires don't last forever. They have a lifespan of three to five years, whether you use in the RV or not. So you have to buy based on your usage and needs and, and, and really what you want to spend on the tires and how much you're going to use them. So you have to weigh all those factors, but let's get back to the load range D part. Now the load range D is important. You know, the tires have to have the light, the right load range to support the, the weight of the trailer. And you can find the weight of the trailer. Generally there's a tag on the side of the trailer with the, with the vehicle weight. And also the owner's manual will have something in many cases. But once you determine that, that's not the end of the story. You have to actually weigh the trailer to truly know the, the gross vehicle weight when it's loaded with water, food, clothing, all the gear. And then you look at the tires and see if the load range still works after the trailer is loaded. And also the axles tie into this as well. You could put on a heavier duty tire. Maybe you got a load range C tire and all of a sudden you discover when your trailer is loaded, it's exceeding that weight limit and you go to a load range D and now the tires, a better tire can hold more weight. But what about the axles and the wheel bearings? Can they support the additional weight? And quite often this is a problem. Manufacturers make trailers that are so close to the the weight limit of the axles and the tires that once you start loading it, you exceed it. And then the problems start. So in, in the load range D is important, but the, the rain or the, the weight capacity of the trailers is, or of the axles is more important. 
but also having an accurate weight of the trailer is probably the most important thing. And then you know how to, how to work from there, whether you can buy tires, if the tires aren't right, or if the trailer's brand new, you can go back to the manufacturer, the dealership where you bought it and say, Hey, this thing's, you know, these, these axles aren't rated properly. They're not the right axles for this trailer and the weight it has. Hopefully they, you buy an RV where that stuff is correct and it's not a problem. You know, that might be part of the buying process to make sure that the tires, the wheels and the axles are all sufficient for the weight of the trailer, even empty. You know, you can get an idea if the weight of the empty trailer is the same, uh, carrying capacity of the axles, then you got a problem. Once the trailer is loaded, it's going to exceed that and you will have problems down the road. So I hope that answers the question. Um, about the tires and the load range. I know I didn't go into great detail here, but I will put some information on um, RadioArizonaRV.com, some links to some different websites. Like Goodyear has a very good website or a link on their website anyways for a, a page of information that'd be very helpful. And I'll find some other stuff to help answer that question where you can really get down to the nitty gritty of it if you like the details. So I'm gonna move on to the next thing he had on his list. The next subject was the grill on the side of the RV. Now I'm coming up to the time here where these podcasts start getting long. So I'm going to try to keep this brief, but be helpful at the same time. As I've always said, I don't like talking forever about the same subject, even though we've covered, covered multiple things here. He bought the new fifth wheel trailer and it came with a grill that attaches to the side of the RV hangs on a bracket and you hook it up to a quick connect. Um, I probably most everybody who's bought a new trailer anyways, fifth wheel or towable has seen these. It's very popular. It's very convenient and generally the barbecues are okay. They might not be the greatest, but for a weekend or so you can generally make do if it's a little small or maybe not what you're used to. So Randy decided not to use the portable one. He wants to use his regular barbecue that he's had for years and just bring it along with him. So obviously it's not a problem for him to pack it up and put it in the back of the truck or in the trailer or wherever, but his are, or his barbecue is not designed for a quick connect because it has a built-in regulator. So it's actually designed for its own independent tank, which is very common because it's just a regular barbecue. Whereas the portable barbecue that's mounted to the side of the RV that uses the quick connect system in the RV is designed or it's not designed with the regulator that's built in. It's using the regulator that's on the trailer itself. 99% of the quick connects are after the regulator. So in other words, the pro propane has been regulated down to a much smaller volume when it hits the barbecue. And then the barbecue doesn't need the, its own independent regulator. And so if Randy uses his, his, the barbecue he has, which if I understood him correctly, the regulator is built into it. So the, his barbecue wouldn't work with the quick disconnect. So he would actually have to tap into the, up at the tanks, put in a line there, which isn't that hard to do, or he would have to just carry an extra propane tank which if you're packing up a barbecue and all the other things you do, one more propane tank or one more item like that probably isn't that big of a deal to pack up and carry with you. And also you don't have to worry about your RV running out of propane, the barbecue running out of propane. 
you know, there are two separate systems there. So as I said, the regulator, the, the quick disconnects 99% of the time are past the regulator. So it is regulated. So if you have a barbecue with a regulator and you try to hook up to the quick disconnect, you won't have a flame or it'll be very, very small. And there's not really a way where you can do it with the quick disconnect. You have to tap into the bottles and add a, a fitting up there and then run a separate line, which depending on the fifth wheel may or may not be a problem or the trailer or the motor home, but it's all doable. But me, I would just carry the extra tank and not worry about it. And I'm hoping I understood Randy's question properly. And that is the right answer. I'm sure he'll be emailing me if uh, that was wrong. And all these parts you need for propane, you should be able to get your local um, RV parts and accessory store. If they don't have it in stock, more than likely they can order it. If you're trying to do something that's doable, you can't do everything that's imaginable with propane because of safety hazards, laws, and so forth. So the, the, the RV stores have the catalogs with all the parts in it for propane. And I've actually done a podcast on this talking about it. Um, kind of a different different uh, area, but nonetheless, it might be helpful to listen to. I didn't have to check the number of it, but it is one of the podcasts and it's, you know, titled with propane or LP hoses and fittings or something like that. So I hope this was beneficial for everybody and Randy in Arkansas. I hope he benefited from it. I try to keep these short, as I said, with as, you know, as much detail as I can fit in. But as always, you can call me. If you have a question, you can email, you can get Email me through the contact us page on RadioArizonaRV.com. And the phone number is 800-789-5588. And I'd like to hear from you if you have a question or maybe a different thought on it. Um, maybe I missed something. You can help me add to it or you have a, a different way of doing something that hey, if it works, let's do it. And I'd like to hear about it. So again, this is Eric with RadioArizonaRV.com. And I want to thank you for listening to episode number 29 today. And Thank you very much.